Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Okay, we've been uh, looking at some bad, bad, bad kings. Tonight I thought we'd have a change and look at a, a good king. You feel encouraged already? He just had one major fault, as we'll see, but he was one of the best kings in the house of Judah. Okay, so the king we're going to be looking at, uh, let's start on your sheet here. Uh, scriptures, I'll just give you the first part here before we put things on the overhead. Okay, the scriptures, king we're going to be looking at tonight, or number one is the king's name, it's Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. And I'll uh, just put it on the overhead, that first part, just for those who have not got a name like that. And you'd like to change it to Kevin. Uh Okay, how's that? All right, King Jehoshaphat. Let's get this right here. You can't see, there you are. All right, Jehoshaphat. All right, so as soon as you get his name down, I'll just give you the scriptures from which we're uh, taking our information tonight. So 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 24. So this is under your scriptures. We'll just take a couple of moments on just the first uh, six or seven points here. So 1 Kings 15, 24. And then 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 to 50. The whole chapter, in other words. 1 Kings 22, 1 to 50. And then we go over to Chronicles, and we have uh, about four or five chapters in Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 17, 18, 19, 20, and chapter 21, verse 1. So I'll run through those scriptures again for you. So 1 Kings 15, 24, 1 uh, Kings uh, chapter 22, the whole chapter, verses 1 to 50, that is, and 2 Chronicles chapters 17, 18, 19, 20, and then chapter 21, verse 1. So all those chapters are given over to this uh, godly king, King Jehoshaphat. And probably he's one of the kings that's preached on more than a lot of other kings. All right, so let's move through the uh, first part of our information here, which I haven't got on the overhead, but won't take you a minute to fill that part in. Okay, so number one, the king's name is Jehoshaphat. The interpretation of his name, number two here, just following your notes for this first part. Interpretation means uh, God judges or Jehovah is judge. So God judges or Jehovah is judge. Interpretation of his name. Bible names meant much more than ours do today. Although when I was in the Middle East with the, uh, the Jews, they said I had a good name. My name's Kevin John Connor. And they said Kevin means kindness and John means gift of God. And Connor, they means a priest. So they call me a kindly beloved priest. <laughs> it's very nice for the Jews to do that for me. I felt real good. All right, so uh, God judges or Jehovah is judge. Number three, uh, he was king over the house of Judah. So king over the house of Judah. Remember, we have two houses, kings of Israel and kings of Judah. So uh, he was actually Judah's fourth king. You might like to make just a note of that. He's Judah's fourth king. 
uh, you can just sort of remind yourselves of what we've been looking at so far on the kings of Judah. We've looked at Rehoboam. We didn't do Abijam. He didn't last too long. Asa. And then tonight we're looking at Jehoshaphat on the, on the bad kings of Israel. We've looked at Jeroboam. And last week we dealt with five kings. Jeroboam, Nadab, Baasha, Baasha, uh, Elah, and Zimri. And the houses there. So tonight we're on uh, godly king Jehoshaphat. So that's where we're following here. All right. Uh, number four, he was as David. The Bible says he was as David. Uh, I'll give you a, just one reference there. Second Chronicles 17, verse 3. 2 Chronicles uh, 17, verse 3. And it says, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David. So Second Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 3. He walked in the first ways. The Lord was with him because of what? Because he walked in the first ways of his father David. Length of his reign, 25 years. He reigned 25 years. And just for reference, Second uh, Chronicles 20, verse 31. So length of his reign, Second Chronicles 20, verse 31. Age at the beginning of his reign, he was 35 years of age. 35 years of age, and the same scripture is applicable there. So length of his reign and age at the beginning of his reign uh, in the same verse, 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 31. And then number seven, what is his ancestral background? Briefly, his father was Asa, who was a godly king. So his father... This is number seven here. What is the ancestral background? Family details. His father was Asa and his mother, Azuba. A-Z or A-Z we say here, don't we? A-Z-U-B-A-H. So his father was Asa and his mother, Azuba. And that is in Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 31 and 32. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 31 and 32. All right, now the main part we're looking at tonight is number eight. What character traits does the person reveal? And we pick out the main points. And so main points I've uh, picked out uh, from the scriptures uh, that deal with his life. All right, now on the positive side, I'll just let you take down these uh, just uh, one at a time here. And uh, you may need a little bit of extra room, even if you have to uh, put it on the back. Okay, number one, we're told that he walked in the ways of his father, David and Asa. There's two scriptures in the references I've given you there. He walked in the ways of his father, David, and it also says he walked in the ways of his father, Asa. So we have two or three godly generations here, as we've mentioned on previous occasions, two or three godly generations and the, the scripture says that he departed not from it. So he walked in the ways of his father David. And remember that every king was either judged by David or by Jeroboam. So all the kings, godly kings, were judged by David, the man after God's heart, or else they were judged by Jeroboam who uh, caused Israel to sin. So he walked in the ways of his father David, and he walked in the ways of his father Asa, and departed not from it. All right, number two... We're told that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. 
And all these are very practical things, you know, for all of us. Do we do that which is right in the sight of the Lord? Might not always be right in the sight of man, but uh, do we do that which is right in the sight of the Lord? Number three, it says that he sought not to the Balaams, uh, but he sought the Lord. He sought not to the Balaams. And so we think of the uh, Baal worship, which was the uh, sun worship and the worship of different gods, particularly the sun worship, and uh, the whole of the Jezebelism was uh, centered around Baal worship. So he sought not to the Balaams and the different idols, but he sought to the Lord. So another good quality here. Number four, the Bible tells us that he walked in the commandments of the Lord and not the acts or the doings of Israel. He walked in the ways of the Lord and not in the doings or the acts of Israel. I'm reading from Second uh, Chronicles 17, verse 4. Uh, and the Lord was with Joseph, Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto the Baalims or unto the Baals, uh, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. And if we can just remember back uh, in some of the earlier studies that God laid out the commandments for the kings, that they were to study the law of the Lord, write a copy of the book and walk after the commandments of the Lord. So just in that sentence there, he walked in the commandments of the Lord, not after the doings or the acts of Israel. Number five, another scripture says, and his heart, I'll read from Old King James and New King James, which just brings it about, out a bit clear. It says, his, uh, his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. And then the New King James says, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. And we think of some of the scriptures, you know, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, uh, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So uh, his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. So, you know, challenge us, what do we really delight in? Do we delight in the ways of the Lord, or do we delight in the pleasures of the world? So his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. All right, number five. Then number six, we're told that he, he took away the high places and the groves. Took away the high places and the groves. The uh, New King James puts it this way, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. So the high places, the groves, the wooden images. In fact, I think one of the translations, I think uh, I picked this up uh, when I was in the States, uh, that actually he, he removed the totem poles. They're not that they worshipped the totem poles, the images they represent. See that in New Zealand, you see it in different nations, the totem poles and uh, the wooden images of their different gods. Um, let's turn over just, uh, I'd like you to look at this scripture for a moment here. Uh, let's turn over to Amos. Uh, Amos chapter 5. And uh, there's different, there's different, uh, uh, different. Um, what's what's what I'm after? Different Bible dictionary brings out different thoughts about the high places. But many of the high places had been places where God had visited people. 
But let me just make the sentence, uh, or read the scripture first and make a, a comment there. Amos chapter 5, and uh, we'll read verse 4 through to 8. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. So Jehoshaphat was a man that sought the Lord and sought after the ways of the Lord. Seek ye me, and ye shall live. But seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord, and you shall live, lest, the, uh, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and devout, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. Ye who you turn judgment to wormwood, and leave off righteousness in the earth, seek him that made the seven stars. So if you haven't already marked your Bible on that, I'd recommend that you underline that word seek. It's used four times. And Jehoshaphat was a man that sought the Lord. He didn't seek after the Balaam. As the scripture says, he sought not unto the Baals or the Balaams, which is plural for the Baals, but he sought the Lord, sought the Lord with all his heart. And so in verse 4, thus saith the Lord, seek ye me, seek me. But then in verse 5, don't seek Bethel, pardon me, or Gilgal, <coughs> or Beersheba. And now let me just make a comment on this. All these places, Bethel had been a place of divine visitation. God had come to Jacob in Bethel and visited him. Tremendous revelation of Jacob's ladder is refer, referred to a lot, of, a lot of powerful truth in the revelation of Jacob's ladder. And then uh, Gilgal, God had appeared to uh, Joshua at Gilgal, the captain of the Lord's host, when he entered into uh, Canaan and stood over by Jericho and Beersheba, God had appeared to Abraham. So all these places, Gilgal, Bethel and Beersheba, they had all been places of divine visitation. But here's the punchline. In due time, places of divine visitation became places of idolatry. And that's well worth writing down. So the church history has proved this, that places of divine visitation often become places of idolatry. So we've got to go to Jerusalem, we've got to go to Mecca, we've got to go to Azusa Street, we've got to go to some place. And God says, hey, don't seek Bethel, don't seek Gilgal, don't seek places. These became high places, places of idolatry. Seek me, seek me, seek the Lord. How many understand what I'm saying here? So that's the bottom line, you know. At the, at the moment with the present visitation, a lot of people are going to Toronto. Well, are they seeking the place? Or are they seeking the Lord? That, that, that's the bottom line. So then in verse 6, he says it again. Seek the Lord and you'll live. And then in verse 8, seek Him. So that's the bottom line, you know, for my own heart, for all of our hearts here. Are we seeking places or are we seeking the Lord? So the great danger, and as I've studied church history, many, many places of a divine visitation become places of idolatry. And we worship the place and miss the person. That's why Jesus said to the woman at the well, when she started argu arguing over places, hey, you say Jerusalem's the place where we ought to worship, and we say Samaria is the place we ought to worship. Jesus said, listen here, the time's coming when not in this place or not in this place, but you'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth, because the Father's not seeking those who worship places, but worship Him. So how many can say amen to that? So really important always to keep in mind, even in our own fellowship, that we, we're not seeking a place, we're seeking the Lord. So high places, 
places of divine visitation and I become places of idolatry and groves. Uh, just uh, one little thought that comes to me that's not on my notes here. Um, how many remember the story of the, um, of the, uh, the brazen serpent? Okay, remember uh, when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness and, um, and then uh, they were bitten by serpents and so Moses cried to the Lord and the Lord said, okay, I want you to make a serpent of bronze, a serpent of brass, lift it up on a pole and everyone that looks to it uh, will be healed. And so right throughout the camp, all those that obeyed the word of faith and the gospel through Moses, uh, they looked at the serpent of brass and lived. See, and Jesus took that up and said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But do you know what happened to the serpent of brass in due time? Eventually that serpent of brass that God had used to heal people, well, by faith and obedience in his word looking at it, uh, do you know what eventually happened? It became an idolatrous, uh, idolatrous thing. And there was one brave king, and I, I hope we'll do him as another good king before this uh, term's over. Godly king Hezekiah, he was game enough, brave enough to take the serpent of brass and he broke and smashed it and said, it's only a bit of brass. And they said, hey, just a minute, we've had this serpent of brass for years. We've had our little crucifixes and... We've idolized these things for years. And now you smash it and say it's only a bit of brass. God used that. Moses used that. Mighty man of God, Moses. And he lifted up that. And you dare to smash it? said, yeah. Because the thing that God used was a means to an end, but the means becomes idolatrous. And we miss the end. The end is to bring us to God. How many can say amen to this? So he's a brave man. Hmm. I could tell you some other stories too. All right, back to this. All right, number six. So he took away the high places and the groves. Number seven, I'd like you to look at this scripture, and this is one of the most wonderful things that uh, godly King Jehoshaphat did. Let's see over here. Uh, he established teaching seminars throughout the land. Let's, let's turn to Second Chronicles chapter 17. And I'd never seen this before until, uh, oh, I think last year as I was reading through, I thought, wow, I hadn't seen that before. How many know you can read the Bible a dozen times and never see things? And then all of a sudden, wow, I never saw that before. Well, it's been there for 2,000 years or longer. And then suddenly the Spirit of God quickens something to you. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 17. And uh, this is really, really, I think it's good. I think it's all good. That's the problem with me. How many feel the same way? All right, so go down to uh, 2 Chronicles 17. And we'll pick up in verse 6, just where we uh, left off. And his heart was lifted up, or his heart took delight, New King James says, in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. And now I'll go back to old King James, because we've got that side marked. Also, in the third year of his reign, he sent to his princes, even to Ben-Hale, and to Obadiah, and to Zechariah, and to Nethaniel, and to Micaiah, to teach, <laughs> oh, Father, help me, uh, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites, even Shemaiah, Nethaniah, Zebediah, and Azahel, and that brother, and that brother, and the other brother, and those brothers, and the other brother, the Levites. 
How many are glad for those names? Brother and sister. I know everybody's name in this place. Brother and sister. Really pleased with myself. And with them, Elishamah and Jehoram, priests. And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law with them and went about through all the cities of Judah and had these seminars, taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the land that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. So uh, you have in those verses there, if you want to just make a little note there, uh, you have all together 9, 10, 14, 17 people involved in teaching seminars. You have the, the Levites, who were servants to the priests, and then you have these uh, special two priests. Now, so we have the priests of the, the Levites going throughout all the cities of Judah with the book of the law and say, hey, this is what the book of the law says. Now, I want you to turn back to a couple of scriptures here. Let's turn to just a couple of chapters back and you see where there'd been a great decline uh, in, in, uh, in Judah, let alone Israel. I mean, Israel had just gone idolatrous. But you notice that... Uh, the uh, Rehoboam, how he bombed out, and then uh, Abijam, he wasn't too brilliant. Then Asa was a good king for a while, but we know what happened at the end. And so, like leader, like led, like shepherd, like sheep, like priest, like congregation. And so the people departed from God. Now go back to Second Chronicles chapter 15, and we have a powerful verse which would take a whole hour to do the thing properly. But uh, 2 Chronicles 15 and verse 3. And this is sort of the condition. So Jehoshaphat is the son of Asa. Uh, he takes over the throne and within the third year he says, hey, we need to get back to the word of God. So if you haven't marked verse 3, I recommend you do. And break it up into three sections because it's a message in itself. Now for a long season... For a long time, how long? Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. Three things in that verse if we didn't pick it up one other time. Number one, they had been without the true God. And when, uh, when a nation is without the true God, what does it end up with? Many gods, pantheism, polytheism, idolatry, false gods. They'd been a long time without the true God. Number two, they had been without a teaching priest. And I want to give you a couple of other scriptures there. The failure of the priest to teach the word. And if we apply it today, so many ministers who fail to teach the word, give people stories or, you know, everything, but fail to teach the word. People are starved for the word of God. So without a teaching priest, number three, and without law. And see, when, when people are without the true God, they lapse into idolatry, and many gods, and when they're without a teaching priest, they lapse into ignorance, and when they're without law, they become lawless, or a law to themselves. Uh, the doctrine and philosophy of uh, existentialism, do your own thing. Because if we're not under law, we set ourselves up as a law, and we become a law to ourselves. We become lawless uh, to God, and a law to ourselves. So that's the condition now. Jehoshaphat's come to the throne, I've learnt by my father's lessons, Asa, and uh, so he says, okay, we're going to have these teaching seminars. Turn over to Deuteronomy uh, 33, and uh, another couple of scriptures here, Deuteronomy 33, and uh, yeah, 
we'll turn to Deuteronomy 33. Deuteronomy 33. And in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33, we find Moses is blessing the 12 tribes. Uh, in Genesis 48 and 49, uh, Jacob blesses his 12 sons. But in Deuteronomy 33, uh, Moses blesses the 12 tribes. I want you to listen to the prophecy of Moses over the tribe of Levi. Go down to verse 8 through to 11. This is the prophecy of Moses over the tribe of Levi. The 12 sons have now become 12 tribes. And so in verse 8, he says, And of Levi he said, so Moses, the prophetic spirit upon him, Let thy thummim, or thummim, and thy ewim be with thy holy one, whom thou didst prove at Massa, and with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah. So the thummim and the ewim, we think of the high priest garments, and the mysterious stones that were in the breastplate by which he uh, was, uh, uh, by which he received the mind of God. Uh, don't believe the Mormons when they said they found the two stones and the two plates and all the rest of that heresy. Thank you, Kevin. That's a real good point. Are you breathing up there? Am I talking to the right people here? All right. So uh, and then he says. Uh, uh, verse 9, who said unto his father and to his mother, I have not seen him, neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor knew his own children, for they have observed thy word and kept thy covenant. Now, here's the, what they would do. They shall teach Jacob thy judgments and Israel thy law. They shall put incense before thee and whole burnt sacrifice upon thine altar. Bless, Lord, his substance and accept the work of his hands and smite through the loins of them that rise against him, and of them that hate him, that they rise not again. So here's the prophecy that the priestly ministry, the teaching ministry, the law, burning incense, whole burnt sacrifice, the brazen altar, the golden altar of incense, that whole ministry of the tabernacle, that's the responsibility of the priest. Now, let's go over to... Um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, Deuteronomy 17, and uh, verse 8 to 11, a little bit more about the responsibility of the priests, because as we'll see, it was Jehoshaphat that revived this whole thing and said to the Levites and the priests, come on, let's get back into your ministry, our nation's turned away from the Lord, I want you to go through the cities of Judah and have teaching seminars and teach them the law of the Lord, Let's get back to the book. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, and um, we'll pick up in verse 8, just for time. If there arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment between blood and blood, between plea and plea, and between stroke and stroke, uh, being matters of, uh, how do we say this next word here? Controversy. Okay, I got pulled up in America so many times, I, I still think I'm not, not saying it. Controversy. What, you say that. How many say controversy? How many say controversy? Uh, the controversies win. Okay. <laughs> I used to get so many words mixed up and say, Brother Connor, we don't know what you're saying. Say it in English, not Australian. Say it in American. All right, so controversy within thy gates. Then thou shalt arise and get thee up to the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt come unto the priests, the Levites, 
and unto the judge that shall be in those days, and inquire, and they shall show thee the sentence of judgment. And then they, they tell him about going through the law. So responsibility of the priest. Now, let's go over to one other scripture here. Malachi chapter 2. So those scriptures are showing us the responsibility of the priests and the Levites to teach the word of the law, but whenever back Israel backslid or Judah backslid, the teaching ministry went down the drain. So Malachi chapter 2, and here way at the uh, close or the beginning of the 400 silent years, the Lord is rebuking the priests because they failed to teach the word. So think of that scripture, Israel being a long time without the true God, without a teaching priest and without law. Malachi chapter three, uh, 2, pardon me, and verse uh, 1. And now, O you priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory to my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I'll send a curse upon you. Wow, that's pretty heavy duty upon the ministry. And I will curse your blessings. In fact, I've already cursed them because you don't lay it to heart. I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty heavy duty, don't you think? Right? How many when you were a kid did your father or mother rubbed your dirty nappy in your face? Hmm. All right, we won't dwell on that. That's what you call. <laughs> that's what you call the Dungate ministry. Okay, so we'll move on. Moving on here, but I'm just reading the Bible. Okay, even the dung of your solemn feast, and one shall take you away with it. That's quite evident. And you, sh you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace. And I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, going way back to Levi, and he turned many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they, they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you departed out of the way You've caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord. Therefore have I made you also contemptible and base before all the people, according as you have not kept my ways, but have been partial to my law. So people ended up despising the ministry because of the way the ministry lived. And you know how tragic it is in our day with the Halavision evangelists and so forth. All right. So teaching priests, okay, so uh, what, that was one of the wonderful things he did, that sending these uh, 17 people to teach, having teaching word seminars and getting back to the law of the Lord. All right, number eight, another good quality we're told here, that he brought Judah, he brought the people of Judah back to the Lord, and the, it was so far-reaching, we're told, in, if you want to put this reference down, 2 Chronicles 19, verse 4, 2 Chronicles 19, verse 4. From Beersheba to Mount Ephraim, the people of Judah, he brought the people back to the Lord. Let's get back to the Lord. So with the teaching ministry, teaching the book of the law, 
teaching the people, the priests doing that. He brought the people of Judah back to the Lord. Well, when you think of some of our history in Britain and some of the godly kings that we used to have, and America, some of the godly presidents, and I like president like people. How many are getting further and further away from the Lord? The, na- uh, the nation goes down. All right, number 10. It says, uh, oh, number nine, pardon me, thank you. He set godly leaders. Oh, did I miss that? I missed it on my notes anyway. He set godly leaders, priests and judges in the land. And uh, as you go through the scriptures I've given you there, you'll find he, he got hold of the chief priests, then the priests and the Levites, and he said, okay, I want you to go through the land, and I want you to exercise right judgment. Don't go taking bribes. Uh, let the fear of the Lord be on you. Uh, don't show respect to persons and partiality. Don't take bribes under the table there. Be loyal of heart and give righteous judgment. How many think that would be a good message for some of our courts today? Because today the law is made to protect the criminal. We have uh, such a reverse mentality. And he told them they were to judge the cases of blood and blood, law and commandments, statutes and judgment, and warn the people not to trespass against the Lord. If they failed to do that, then the wrath of God would come upon them. And number 10 here, uh, he took away the remnant of the Sodomites. Uh, for that one, you better put down 1 Kings 22, because Asa, at the beginning of his uh, reign, he put away a lot of the Sodomites, but when Asa backslid there at the close of his older, uh, uh, later years, he didn't full, fully do the job. But uh, King Jehoshaphat took away the Sodomites out of the land. He didn't pass laws of privacy. First uh, Kings 22, verse 46. First Kings 22:46. All right, now. There's one major fault in this great king. This was just one major weakness he had, and I'll put that on the overhead in a moment here. Okay, so the result of all this over his years, we're told that the fear of the Lord was on the nations. The fear of the Lord was on the nations round about. They didn't attack him. There was no war. The nations so respected him that they gave tribute to him, brought him presents, and we're told that he became increasingly powerful and uh, he was rich, abundance of property and riches. And uh, number four says, God fought his enemies. So when the nation saw that God fought his enemies, they said, hey, we better leave this guy alone. Let's give him a present. So all results of the good qualities. All right, now, because we are all human, and I don't know how many of us remember the old song we used to sing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. There's a law of gravity in us, which is the law of sin. And that gravitational pull, that law of sin, uh, we constantly battle against it. How many do? Or is it just me? Uh, it's a, just a, the law of sin is the law of gravity. It's a, it's a downward pull, always pull. And we just got to move in the higher law, of the law of the spirit of life. And so unless we constantly watch those things, then we just uh, go down. All right, so reading off my note here, and then we'll put these things on the overhead for our last few moments. 
uh, tremendous qualities and character of one of the greatest kings of Judah, exercised and brought about great reforms in Judah as a nation. However, he had one major weakness, and this was his major weakness, making alliances with ungodly people. Making alliances with ungodly people. All right, three times he did this until God had to deal with him. Now, I want you to go over to sort of our summary lesson on this. I'll, I'll put this on the overhead here. Turn over to uh, Second, Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 19. Second Chronicles chapter 19. And this is sort of the, uh, this is the only real point of rebuke uh, to Jehoshaphat. But because of these evil alliances, as we'll see three of them, uh, God sent him this pretty hot question through a prophet. And it's a good question that we need to you know, ask ourselves in practical application through 2 Chronicles 19 and verse 1 to 3. And Jehoshaphat the king of Judah returned to his house in peace uh, to Jerusalem. And Jehu the son of Hanani the seer went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked or help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? What do you think the answer should be? Should we help the wicked? Should we help the ungodly? Should we love them that hate the Lord? What would you say to that question? How many would say yes? How many would say no? How many haven't got a hand? How many are frightened of getting caught? How many have still got a lying spirit? The answer is no. Because look what it says. Because you've done this, therefore, as we often say, whenever you see a therefore, you want to see what it's there for. Therefore is wrath upon thee from the Lord. Why? Because you help the ungodly. And when I put this on the overhead, you'll see why. And love them that hate the Lord. Nevertheless, there are some good things found in thee in that you've taken away the groves out of the land and you've prepared your heart to seek the Lord. All right, look at the three evil alliances and we'll pick up uh, next week. Yeah, next week. The three evil alliances. This was Jehoshaphat's major weakness. Can you all see that? Why? When you want to go right, you go left on these things. Okay, King Jehoshaphat, negative quality. This was his major weakness, making evil alliances. And the thing is, you study this and meditate and say, I wonder why, what, what was really in his heart? The first thing he really bombed out on this one, he married his son off to Ahab's daughter, Ataliah, who was the daughter of Jezebel. Now, how many know that Jezebel wasn't a nice deaconess? How I many you know that Adaliah wasn't a nice girl? She was a murderer. She slaughtered all the royal seed. Bad girls. So what is Je Jehoshaphat marrying his son from a godly line into an ungodly line into, the, in, into Ahab? See, the, 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 the thing I put on my note here, what was his motive? Was he trying to um, sort of unite the kingdom again? And thought, well, if we, if we sort of intermarry a little bit in the royalty, we'll bring the nation together again. And God said, no, was it sort of a little peace treaty? Anyways, bad, bad news. 
Because when you follow the history of Ahab, Jezebel, his wife, Adaliah, bad, bad, bad news. So what's he marrying his son off to uh, the daughter of Jezebel? How would you like to have Jezebel as your mother-in-law? Did you say no thanks or no fear? No fear. Okay, the second major alliance, really bad. He joined in battle with a wicked king Ahab and nearly, he nearly lost his life. I mean, this is so dumb. How many know that we are dumb? When God said, all we like sheep have gone astray. When God called us sheep, do you think he was giving us a compliment? How many think it was a compliment? Because sheep are dumb. I mean, they're stupid and dumb. Uh, sheep know how to get out of a hole in the fence, but they don't know how to get back through the hole in the fence. I used to be on a farm and look after sheep. All the sheep said, ah, man. All right, so um, joining a battle with wicked King Ahab, and one of the dumbest things was this wicked King Ahab, and of course now, you know, he's, 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 uh, uh, his, uh, his son has married uh, Ahab's daughter, Adaliah, so Ahab says, look, I want you to go into battle and uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll disguise myself and I'll put on my, off my kingly robes, but you leave your kingly robes on. And Jehoshaphat, not thinking straight here, he goes into the battle and all of a sudden somebody says, oh, there's the king. I mean, why did Ahab do it? Out of love? or out of the law of self-preservation. Anyway, he nearly lost his eye. Number three, our time's up. And then the third thing he did, third alliance, he joined with Ahaziah, who was Ahab's son, and they decided to send a fleet of ships down to Tarshish to pick up a lot of gold. And remember one of the commandments to the, of the kings, they were not to multiply to themselves gold. So he said, hey, let's make a, uh, a fleet of ships, send them off to Tarshish, and God sent a prophet to... Jehoshaphat and said, hey, should you help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? So what did God do? As the ship set sail, God just sent a nice little breeze and he caused lovely shipwrecks. That was that. And after that, Jehoshaphat thought, hmm, <laughs> lesson sent, lesson received. How many think you've got some lessons out of this man's life? But he was a very godly king. But this just seemed to be a weakness, making alliances with ungodly people. Now, we're not saying that we're not to love the wicked in the sense of wanting to see them saved. Okay? But are we to cooperate with the wicked, with the wicked and sodomites and everything like that? And say, yeah, we're right for you. We believe in privacy and so forth. No, 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 no. They hate God. So we just stand with the book. Everybody said amen. All right, let's all stand and close in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you once again for the uh, privilege we have in our nation of just drawing aside from our daily responsibilities and just to take the place of... Uh, Mary, and sit at your feet and receive of your precious word. Thank you, Lord, that all these things happen unto them for types and examples and written for our admonition. And Lord, we just receive the admonitions, exhortations, encouragements, and warnings.
from this great King Jehoshaphat. Help us to learn by these things, Lord, and not uh, learn by others' mistakes and not by our own mistakes. Help us, Father. Bless us now as we separate until we gather again, and we ask it in the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said. For more in-depth teaching on Israel's kings, be sure to see Kevin Connor's book, Kings of the Kingdom, available from word.com.au, from amazon.com, and also in PDF format on Kevin's website, kevinconnor.org.